Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to the Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. So really, I'd just like to start off by um, expressing appreciation for all of our players, our coaches, and our football operations staff. This year was a very challenging season. We had a number of individuals that just made incredible sacrifices. Uh, our families made incredible sacrifices, and everyone was just such a huge part in allowing us to uh, accomplish some pretty special things, um, you know, this season. So I couldn't be prouder of our uh, of our entire group. Now, here's your host, my dad, Thelonious Seven. Welcome to part two of the end of the year dog summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm your host, Thelonious 7. Today, we are joined in the Straight No Chaser Studios by an elite group of eight Cleveland podcasters who are trying to bring clarity to six of the most pressing questions in the dog bound. Contributors to the second annual dog summit are Rod Bloom of the Browns Blitz, D from With an Ohio Bias, Neil Dunworth of the Cleveland Sports Collective, Caitlin from Crunch Time with Caitlin, Josh Thornton from the Danger Zone, Craig A. Fountain from Ginger's Talk Football, Eric Urbanowitz from Brownstown, USA, as well as our own Tom Moore, writer, here at Dogs by Nature. In part one of this series, we put to rest some of the questions from the near past. In this session, we'll talk about the Browns, Brass, and team identity before wrapping things up in the next session, talking about the upcoming offseason. I don't know about you, but I forgot how bad it feels to get bounced from the playoffs. And now I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of Browns withdrawal, which is something I forgot even existed. Usually the Browns offseason is better than the real thing, but not anymore. It's nice to be able to turn the page and think about how the season was really a reflection of the overall health of the Browns organization from the top down. And with that, we come to today's topic. For the first time in forever, we aren't talking about sweeping organizational changes. What are your thoughts on the Browns brass? Are Depot, Barry, and Stefanski the 10-year solutions we all hope for? We'll start this discussion with Craig A. Fountain of the Browns table. The current regime heads by Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, and Paul D. Podesta is, in my opinion, the magical regime we've been searching for for the past two decades. I have full faith in this regime and I've never been more excited. There's no doubt in my mind that this front office will be here for years to come. Stability after years of dysfunction. So now we turn to Tom Moore to get his thoughts on the Browns brass. The Browns showed this season what happens when the adults are allowed to run the show and no one is worrying about personal victories over actual ones. The season was obviously difficult for everyone in the league, but if you think about all the things the Browns went through, first time head coach, new coaching staff, no traditional off-season program, no preseason games, injuries, COVID, and all the stuff that normally happens during a season. And they still managed to push all that aside, win 11 games, advance to the second round of the playoffs, and push the Chiefs to the brink of elimination. Now imagine what that group can do with another year of working together toward a common goal. 
The Browns are in good hands with Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Barry, and Ke- Kevin Stefanski. Tom, you're absolutely right. That sense of selflessness truly permeated this organization. And now we hear from Josh Thornton of the Danger Zone. You know, hiring Stefanski set in motion a series of hires that will highlight this new era of Browns football. You know, we've had D. Podesta for a few years now, um, kind of the guy back in the shadows, and he deserves a ton of credit um, for identifying Stefanski. But Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are morphing into the power couple that we've needed uh, here for the last two decades in that front office, you know, with that front office coaching combo. Um, I I think... With all that was thrown at them this year with COVID, key injuries, you know, continually having to hit the curveballs to steal a Stefanski one-liner, I think this duo has shown that they are more than capable to lead this franchise for the next decade. I think we can all take a collective breath or sigh of relief um, because we're entering an offseason not making coaching or front office changes. And we're confident in these guys, right? So that confidence is the key indicator we have the right crew. Josh, I'm beyond confident. So let's turn to Eric Rabinowitz from Brownstown, USA. I think this brain trust is a lot smarter than what people want to give them credit for. And they're making the right moves. I mean, everyone seems to be on the same page. To the point that the head coach knows what the general manager is doing. And both coordinators know what kind of player would fit their schemes. And can report it to Paul De Podesta and general manager Andrew Barry. They're working together as well, and, you know, it's about damn time. I mean, how often did we say that there was a kink in one of the lines and we'd often see someone drop out? It was embarrassing to see after a while, and, you know, now that you have this synergy, it's almost perfect for this organization. And the best part of all this, Jimmy Haslam is letting... Dave Podesta, head coach Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, and the coaches do their jobs. No more of this micromanaging stuff. No more of this, hey, please do this. Put this guy in there. You know, it's a beautiful thing, and it is about time that we got to see this. Eric, I put a lot of the blame on the Haslam's for allowing the hijinks of the Hugh Jackson era. They were way too involved in hiring processes, which sparked a lot of dysfunction. At the same time, I gotta give them credit for doing the right thing now. And there is certainly a bright future. So let's hear from Crunch Time with Caitlin. This season as a whole, you know, a ton of success. And kudos to, to Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and Dee Podesta. And, you know, honestly, and Jimmy Haslam finally letting the, the people that you hire make a decision like you had D Podesta on the books for all these years and D Podesta didn't want Hugh Jackson he wanted Sean McDermott they wanted Kevin Stefanski last year but John Dorsey didn't and you finally just like listen to those guys and look what happened look what happens when everybody's on the same page you know look what happens when you have someone like Kevin Stefanski who's just a calm demeanor you have smart people making smart decisions in a year where a lot of uncertainty and a lot of wrenches were were thrown into, you know, their plans. But they just continue to adapt. I mean, they won a playoff game without their head coach. They won in Pittsburgh. Like, when you hire good people, and you hire people who are all working towards one goal, and they're all working at the same pace, 
and they're all working together. It's it's exciting because this isn't just for this year. This is for next year and the year after that and the year after that and for the next five to ten years. And, I mean, who knows, you know, going forward because Kevin Stefanski's 38. Andrew Berry's 33. This is this could potentially be a very, very long-term um, pairing. And it's exciting because... After all these years, the Browns finally, the Browns finally have, have it. They have a head coach. They have a GM. They have an owner that's gonna let those guys do their thing. They have a quarterback. That's all you need. Exactly, Caitlin. And now, for the first time, your franchise quarterback gets a second year in an offense. Looking forward to see the results of that. And now we turn the floor over to D from with an Ohio bias. Well, when it comes to the question of the Browns front office and the whole team that they have from coach to general manager to their president, Paul D. Podesta, I was completely wrong. I was wrong on the leadership of Paul D. Podesta. I didn't think you could do that from Zoom or from San Diego, but clearly that's the way of the world now because of the pandemic. So I was just flat out wrong. I'll say it. Um, This team has proved this this team, this leadership team has proved that they are the right fit for what we need here with the Cleveland Browns. They have the right tone, they have the right mindset, and they're making the right decisions. So, I mean, I was completely wrong about Paul D. Podesta's direction. I will give him complete credit for this. Also, I think the biggest credit, too, is a guy that he wanted to coach the team, which was Kevin Stefanski. And Kevin Stefanski has really brought a sobering style that has been infectious for the whole team. You can see it in the way guys react. You can see it the way that they bounce back. No back-to-back losses. No, I mean, I mean, the, the season just, and, and considering, you know, guys coming out of the lineup because of the COVID list, and they, they were able to maintain a steady, um, a steadfastness uh, to themselves. And, you know, it just made for a great season. And I look forward to that to come. I don't know if it's going to be 10 years. Because things happen, but I mean, for the next couple of years, especially next season, which I always, you know, look forward to, the future is so bright. I am actually wearing sunglasses as we, as I record this podcast. So, because um, the future is that bright for the Cleveland Browns, and I'm very excited about it. Right there with you, D. <laughs> and so now we turn to Neil of the Two Green Browns. Short answer yes. This is the 10 year solution that we all hope for. I certainly think Stefanski has completely and utterly out. He's outcoached my expectations, and I think he's outcoached an awful lot of people's expectations. The only thing that I have to say in in a negative about Stefanski is why the hell didn't we get him in the year before when we got in Freddie Kitchens? But hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. I think Depot and, and, and Barry are. I think we don't know what the situation is with those just yet. I don't have any reason to believe that they don't get on. I don't have any belie- reason to believe that they aren't the guys, that they can't be a good tandem. I think this offseason will tell us an awful lot about where they are. This is the first offseason where they will really get a chance to get in amongst each other and to try and to, to kind of exert, I suppose, feelings. And, and and directions in which the team wishes to go. Last year was pretty seamless. I must say, really impressed with last year, really impressed with how they did the combine, really impressed with you know the maturity that they showed. And I've no reason to believe that they won't show that maturity again this year. But for, for Deep Podesta and Barry, this is a big off-season. This is off-season number two of uh, what I would term three-year, four-year plan. And 
you kind of and and the progression that we would see here is going to come from the roster building from the procurement of players from the salary cap management and from the picking of draft picks it's no longer the the the, the coaching we know or we have no reason to believe that the coaching will, will subside in the next year but what we do have to see here is that some of the clearing areas that we need to need strengthening in there needs to be some good strengthening in there needs to be some some uh, I suppose some graft put in to make sure that that is strengthened are they the solution for the next 10 years yes I, abs- I, I think they absolutely can be the potential is there it's fantastic a very youthful setup why not why can't it be in Cleveland we bloody deserve it uh, but I think next year's end of year dog summit will tell us whether we are on track for that or whether we aren't. Me personally, I don't have any reason to disbelieve that there won't be a 10-year solution or they don't have the potential to be a 10-year solution for the Cleveland Browns. Duly noted, sir. So let's wrap up this topic with Rod Bloom of the Browns Blitz podcast. I really hope that the Browns can keep this management team, this, this, uh, this staff together for a long period of time. I, I hope Stefanski can keep uh, keep all his assistant coaches. I hope Bill Callahan really loves Cleveland and stays here. He's been he's been magnificent. Um, not that we thought he would be anything other than that as an offensive line coach, but he's been tremendous. And I think Stefanski keeping all of his coaches going forward you know, for a few years would, would be fantastic. I hope that happens. I think uh, I think Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta, I think they're here to stay. And it, it's really hard to project out 10 years, uh, you know, based on this season. Sure, sure. It seems like, yeah, that, that seems very logical. Why wouldn't we why wouldn't we keep these guys around for this long? But we still live in Cleveland and we still have the same owner. And you just don't know. Um, how things are going to go over, you know, over the next five, six, seven years. Um, we have to take it kind of the way Kevin Stefanski takes the takes the schedule. He takes it one game at a time. We're going to take this one season at a time, and and it, it's not like it's not like I'm saying he has to prove himself every year, but we have to. We just have to see. Um, how things go and and uh, how the owner reacts in all of this. If it were me, I'd sign him for up to a 10-year contract right now, but um, we will see what happens. I definitely love the direction, and I want to see more. Thanks for that, Rod. Well, since we're basically in agreement about the direction of the team, I wanted to ask a question about the team's identity. So our next topic is as follows. Can you rank the top five players on offense and on defense to give us an idea of the team's identity? Who would you say is untouchable on this roster? We'll start this discussion with Eric Urbanowitz from Brownstown, USA. The five faces of this team are four that you'd expect and then one little bit of a shocker. The first one being Nick Chubb. I mean, he's our best offensive player, hands down. So, for that, I got to give it to him. Miles Garrett, again, he's our best defensive player. And when he's at full strength, he is a player of the year candidate on defense. Baker Mayfield, look, he's our franchise quarterback. As much as people want to deny it, 
he is a franchise quarterback. And you know what? I'm just going to say it. He's going to be good in the next few years. Jarvis Landry, he is the face of the culture change. I mean, really, how could you sit there and say that he's responsible for anything so bad right now? I think when you look at this culture change and just the overall team change, it all started with the trade that landed him. And the fifth guy is Ronnie Harrison. Look, he's the quarterback of the defense. When this team has played its best, it's been when he's been on the field. It's amazing that we got him for so cheap from Jacksonville. As for the untouchables, I would say that you have to talk about the offensive line. I mean, all five of them all together as a unit are just amazing. And I got to give a lot of kudos to offensive line coach Bill Callahan for this. The only other untouchable right now is Denzel Ward. However, it's starting to become a little debatable with him personally. Sounds like you're going Harrison over Ward, which is definitely a shocking take. So now let's hear how Caitlin ranks the team's top players. It's kind of hard not to pick Baker as the number one, just because quarterback's the most important position and the amount of growth that he's shown. Ending the year less than, I think, what? Yeah, less than 10 interceptions, over 30 touchdowns, first year in a new system. It's It's got to be exciting to just know that Baker's our guy and... Yeah, we don't have to worry about that no more. Um, you know, Miles Garrett, it sucks that COVID really hit him hard because he was playing at a defensive player of the year level. I think Denzel Ward, same thing, you know, if it wasn't for a, a freak injury. But yeah, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, you know, Jarvis, just the, the vibe he brings to the to the locker room. Um, you know, Jack Conklin, all pro, Wyatt Teller. I mean, who would have really thought Wyatt Teller would grade it out as, you know, the the best offensive lineman? And it's it's funny because he was like the one question mark. Like, well, if you could get solid play from your right guard and, and Wyatt Teller, and he just kind of became a dog uh, this year, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, those those are some of my top, you know, handful of players. Uh, but I think you know another underrated guy. Because I don't think he got gets mentioned enough. And, you know, people talk about Olivier Vernon before he got hurt um, the second half of the year. It sucks that, you know, we never saw elite play from Vernon and Miles Garrett at the same time. It was always like one or the other. And then, but Vernon, his play really kind of lifted up the Browns defense when Miles, you know, got sick and kind of dealt with the it the after effects of COVID. We absolutely miss Vernon in Kansas City. So unfortunate the timing of his injury, we wish him all the best from the Straight No Chaser Studios. So now we turn to Tom Moore to get his take on this team's identity. The top players on defense really begins with quarterback Baker Mayfield, who silenced the doubters this season and showed everyone the type of quarterback he can be. With each week, Mayfield became more comfortable in the offense and that was really especially after the bye week, and it's exciting to think about what he can do next season now that the foundation is in place with Kevin Stefanski's offense. Next up on the list is running back Nick Chubb, who despite missing four games, still put up his second consecutive 1,000-yard rushing season and scored 12 rushing touchdowns. He may not get as much publicity as other running backs, but Chubb has proven that he is certainly among the league's best. 
The last group on the offensive list is the starting offensive line of Jedrick Wills, Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, and Jack Conklin. The Browns essentially had three new starters on the line this season, with Wills and Conklin taking over a tackle. And while Teller did start the second half of the previous season, no one knew that he was going to develop into one of the league's best guards. The unit quickly gelled to become the league's best offensive line. The good news is that they are all under contract for next season, and the continuity of its being together for another year is only going to be beneficial to the Browns. I realized that's seven players on offense when we were only looking for five, but we're going to balance that out because there really are not five players on defense worthy of being on a top five list. On the defensive side, it's really just defensive end Miles Garrett, who continues to be the team's most consistent difference maker on defense, and cornerback Denzel Ward, who when healthy is one of the league's better cornerbacks. If we're looking solely at the results of the 2020 season, we really should include defensive end Olivier Vernon on this list. It's a shame he missed the playoffs after tearing his Achilles, and he might have because he might have been the one player to make a play against the Chiefs when the Browns needed it the most late there in the fourth quarter. Vernon had a dominant second season in Cleveland, and it's really unfortunate that it ended with an injury. Given his age and the fact that it could take close to a year for him to recover, it's likely that we've seen the last game of Vernon in Cleveland. It's nice to hear Olivier Vernon getting his due. So now we turn to Neil Dunworth of the Two Green Browns. Hear what he thinks about this team's identity. Well, I think our top five players on offense are very varied, and that's what I like. You could nearly pick one from every single room. And one of our top uh, five players w- w- would fit into would would fit into every single room. You could do that. I think Baker Mayfield has proven an awful lot this year. Certainly not in the camp that we need to get rid of him. Absolutely, you take his fifth year option. I'd nearly even say if we could do a deal this year to maybe lock him up for a couple of years. Absolutely, I I, I just want stability, and I think Baker Mayfield has all the tools in his arsenal to be able to get this team humming in Kevin Stefanski's offense. So Ke- Baker Mayfield will be number one. I think we have to give a shout out to, to to Wyatt Teller. Missed a couple of games this year, and uh, but but still graded out very very well on PFF. Has been a revelation. It was a question mark. It was the only question mark really, aside from Jedrick Wills, who a lot of people thought could play left tackle. But we did look towards uh, Wyatt Teller and and the national media, and there was concerns in and around whether he could play right guard. He absolutely knocked that out of the park. Our O line, I'm going to give. As, as an entity on its own, our O-line is absolutely fantastic and, and, they, and they carried us an awful lot this year. Um, I think I think Rashad Higgins. Rashad Higgins really, really came up big this year, as did Jarvis Landry, and they would be my next two players. Um, our wide receiver room, we were looking for a bit of sparkle. We didn't really get massive numbers from our wide receiver room, but we got it when we needed it. Um, Jarvis Landry and, and, and Higgins had, had had two very, very good years. Um, they weren't out absolutely amazing. They weren't outstanding years, but they had good, good years. I would love to have seen OBJ on the stre- down the stretch when Baker got used to this offense. But, you know, we just didn't get to see it. I do think we'll see upgrades in the wide receiver room this year. And uh, I don't know whether we add to what we have. But it's going to be really, really fascinating to see what happens there, whether whether Higgins does come back. So that brings me to my very last player. And the last player, I think, is going to be no surprise to anybody. And it's going to be Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb just has this relentless want to win, will to win, should I say. And he has this relentless ability to put his head down and put, put the team before him. And 
he's just an absolute lovable guy. He's quote where he says that he doesn't go on social media because have you ever seen a Lamborghini ad? He doesn't need to advertise. That just sums him up. I absolutely love him. So they would be my top five players on offense. Um, my top five players in defense, very quickly going to run through them, would be Miles Garrett. There would be Sheldon Richardson. Um, until he got injured, Olivier Vernon was playing absolutely excellently. You had, uh, I, I was down the stretch. I kind of liked what Taki Taki brought. He brought some, brought, brought a little piece. He, we've seen growth in him and he became a bit of a favorite of mine. And then lastly, Denzel Ward was somebody who we missed massively. Um, the identity of this, of this defense was very much get pressure on, um, in the upper levels, play more of a pre prevent defense because we knew that maybe we didn't have the horses to run in the backfield or, or to run uh, uh, with, with our within our defensive back area. But uh, that that identity, I think, is going to change next year, and we're going to see a team that's more fluid and more dynamic. The identity itself on, on the offense has really been trying to set up things through play action. We ran the ball an awful lot in the early part of the year, and then we threw it in the in the later part of the year. Um, I think this the, the identity of this offense is to become multiple, and uh, I don't really buy the whole Kirk Cousins, Stefanski, Minnesota uh, comparisons. I can see them absolutely, but I don't think that's the end goal for this team, and that gives me an awful lot of hope. People who are untouchable in this roster, Nick Nick Chubb for next year, Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett, absolutely untouchable on this roster. I'm hoping that Chubb and the team can make a deal. So let's hear from Craig A. Fountain. Looking at the top five players on offense is certainly more difficult than on defense. We have so many great offensive players that there's almost no wrong answer. I'm looking, however, at offensive linemen Joe Batonio and Wyatt Teller, along with Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. Of course, you can throw Landry in there. That would, of course, be an acceptable answer. On defense, it's a little bit easier to pick out the cream of the crop. I would select Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, and Ronnie Harrison. Now, I think on defense, Garrett, Ward, Vernon, and Harrison are the true untouchables on this team. Uh, and, of, and, of course, Grant Delpit, who hasn't seen the field yet. He would be untouchable also. Richardson has a contract that would unfortunately make him a candidate to be a salary cap casualty. Most of our starting offense is untouchable, with the exception of David Njoku for depth reasons. And, uh, of course, we don't know how happy he truly is here in Cleveland. And OBJ for salary reasons only. Would love to keep Vernon, but a huge question coming up that injury. We'll get to OBJ on the next show. So let's hear from Rod Bloom on the team's best players. Top five players on the Browns offense. That's kind of tough because this team is heavy on the offensive side of the football. Uh, we could we could pretty much name most of the guys on the offensive line, um, you know. But uh, but if you're going to narrow it down to five, I think you have to say Baker. Uh, you have to say Nick Chubb, uh, I, and then you're probably going uh, uh, a mix of uh, the offensive line and uh, one more skill position. Um, I would probably say I'm changing my mind now that I'm actually talking about it. Because I think uh, I think you have to say Wyatt Teller, and I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about him. So Wyatt Teller, uh, Kareem Hunt, and uh, we'll say Jedrick Wells. And I'm leaving Jack uh, Conklin off, who is an All-Pro this year. Um, very tough to limit it to five guys on the offense. And I didn't even mention uh, Jarvis or, or uh, Joel Petonio 
um, or you know, or uh, several other guys. So um, very tough. So kind of take your pick of an offensive lineman or two, um, and then put in Baker and Chubb, and then take your pick of Jarvis or Kareem. On the defensive side of the ball, it's a whole lot tougher. I mean, obviously, Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward are, are the two best players on defense, and it's almost putting names in a hat after that. Uh, B.J. Goodson was pretty darn good this year, um, and I, I skipped over Sheldon Richardson. He, I think he is probably the third best uh, defensive player on this team. After that, uh, B.J. Goodson, who led the team in tackles, I thought he was a very pleasant surprise. He played he played very well this year, and then it, it, it's it's pretty tough after that. I think uh, you know I I would probably go with Ronnie Harrison based on his potential and his youth. Um, I, I'm not going to pick one of the guys who didn't play this year because we need to see those guys play. Um, you know, I I think. Uh, I would probably go with those with those five guys. I, I think it's tough to pick some tough for me to pick anybody else at this point. Untouchable guys on this roster are coincidentally some of the guys who are coming up for extensions and, and or need new contracts. That's uh, Baker, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward. I mean, Miles is untouchable, but he just signed you know the the, uh, the long extension, so. Uh, we have Kareem for a few years at a good, good price. So I think, uh, you know, I think he's going to be around. But um, other than that, I would think that most of the offensive linemen are are untouchable. They're going to want to try to keep that line together. I don't think there are many other untouchable guys on this team. I think the Browns will, will, uh, and Andrew Barry will do what's necessary to try to make this team better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so that they can, so that they can continue to improve. Barry certainly has his work cut out for him this offseason. We'll talk more specifically about that next show as well. Once again, you're listening to the Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm your host, Thelonious Seven. The question we're asking today is about the top players on offense and defense, and about the team's identity. We have two more responses left. The first is going to be from D with an Ohio bias. If I had to pick players on both sides of that top five players, I know everybody gets, you know, a little excited about the glamour positions and whatnot, but I think the offensive line, all five of them, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin coming in, J.C. Treader, Joel Batonio, and then the rookie, Jed Wills. Um, I think those guys did an amazing job this season, and they were the difference, um, and they were my, you know, five guys that are more, most important to me on the offense. When we look at the defense, I think it starts with Miles Garrett, of course, uh, Denzel Ward, Ronnie Harrison, Larry Ogunjobi, and then Sheldon Richardson. Sheldon Richardson, to me, is one of the biggest leaders on this defense. He showed that his play was as big, um, but also, too, you know, he's a guy they go to in the locker room when they have a bad loss and whatnot, and he always keeps it real, but he always has the right answers as well. So I think he's a steadying force inside that locker room. Um, one of the things I think about with the defense, they will get better. They, they miss one guy up in the middle that is a Brown, but he opted out with Andrew Billings. Um, he's a very athletic guy, you know, had a little problems down in Cincinnati staying healthy. So I would hope to see what he could do in that defense next year as well. D, thanks for that contribution. And now we'll close this subject with Josh Thornton of the Danger Zone. Let's start with the defensive unit as we run down some of the top performers. That list obviously starts with Miles Garrett. 
Although he hasn't been quite the miles that we've come to expect, you know, still being affected by COVID, he's still the best defender out there and presents the biggest challenge for opposing offenses. Then you're probably looking at Denzel Ward. I'll go Denzel next. The man's a shutdown corner when he plays. I know the durability concern is real and you'd like to see a full season out of him. Um, After those two, it gets slimmer, slimmer pickings. I'd go Vernon after Ward. Uh, Before he was injured, he... He was playing well. He was probably top five um, over overall across the board um, in terms of defensive line, you know. And I think he complements Miles nicely up front. So put him there. Let's see, Ronnie Harrison. He comes to mind at that four spot. Um, and then I'm going to round it out with Jacob Phillips. I'm going to give the rookie some love. Both of these guys showed abilities to make plays in Harrison and Phillips. Um, Phillips showed up a little less, but being a young draft pick, you know, I think he has a good amount of upside. The only untouchable player on defense, I think, is Miles Garrett. I mean, you could make an argument for Ward. Sure, I'll listen to that. But uh, Miles is really the only untouchable guy in my eyes. Offensively, there's a much more extensive list when you look at the top performers. And in my opinion, I, I think you got to start with Baker. Although he didn't light up the stat sheets this season, his growth and maturation, you know, it's been evident and it was of the utmost importance when we started this campaign here in 2020 so um oh, back in 2020 i should say you know we've seen extremely positive marks in in both of those areas um and i think he was able to quell some of the concerns that probably weighed pretty heavy on the staff in berea at the beginning of the year next i'm gonna go a couple big guys a couple big guys up front uh teller's gonna take number two and wills jr i'm gonna give him number three Teller's an animal. I mean, this guy is arguably the best guard in football, and he just dominated this season. Wills, he made a difficult transition over to left tackle, and you know what? The guy's been great. Um, A lot to like about that young lineman. Our boy, Chubba Love Hub, is definitely in the top five of this Browns offense. I cannot talk about top performers without mentioning Nick Chubb. I mean, I can't say anything that already hasn't been said about him. He's Nick freaking Chubb. The man, the myth, the legend. Um, So, yeah. Lastly, I'm going to go, probably might surprise people, I'm going to go with Higgins. OBJ went down um, and 82 stepped right in and continued his rapport with Mayfield. He's proven to be very reliable and makes some pretty tough athletic contested catches. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to give 82 a little love there. You know, there are definitely more untouchable players on this side of the ball. I mean, everyone I just listed in my eyes, um, and you could probably tack on Treader, Batonio, Landry. I mean, I feel like I'm just going to lift the whole offensive depth chart. So uh, there shouldn't be much movement of players here. I know we have, uh, you know, a lingering free agent question, especially with Higgins. Um, But I'd be surprised to not see everyone who contributed back for next year's round. Josh, glad to hear you mention the name of Jacob Phillips. I really hope we can bring all the contributors back for next season. We'll talk a little bit more in depth on that topic. There'll definitely be more on this in part three. So with that, we'll put this one in the books. You've been listening to the Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. Big thanks to all the guests who've joined us today. Their details are going to be listed in the show notes and at the beginning of episode number one, definitely give that a spin if you have not already well that was your dose of the straight truth you've been listening to the dog summit on dogs by nature radio my name is Thelonia seven take care and go browns
Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.